welcome to the paid of right quarterly slush pile. We stand behind our democratic editorial policy so much that we have so much transparency and nerve that we now record some of our editorial meetings and share them with you. And that's what this is. So welcome. Um, my name is Kathleen Volkmiller, and I'm director of the Drexel Publishing Group and an essayist and um, I'm running around all the time and it's all good. And um, <laughs> I'm here with um, three other people in my office in Philadelphia Drexel University because our sound studio is undergoing major renovations for months now. Um, so... Hello and welcome. Um, Tim Fitz is here today and he does so many things including bottle stout and beer and Korean liqueur and something with walnuts. <laughs> you know, an Italian liqueur. Yeah, an Italian liqueur with walnuts and, and he also, uh, he's a pretty good writer. Hey Tim. Hello, I am, uh, my name is Tim Fitz and I'm the author of Hypothermia, which is a short story collection published by Mad Hat Press this year, as well as the Soju Club, which is available in Korean only at this moment, and a new short story collection that will come out next fall called Go Home and Cry for Yourselves. What? Wow. You just announced that. Did I just announce that? <laughs> yes, I didn't know that. Oh. Go Home and Cry for Yourselves? Yes, it's Xavier Review Press. No freaking nice. way. Congratulations. Is this a third collection? In second, a second, second collection. Second collection. Oh, right, right. Oh, my God. And it's going to be released in the fall. Yeah. yippee ki yay What are we going to do? How do we keep up with this man? You know, I know many of you who are listening are probably listening on your smartphones, but I think we should just throw them all away. Throw them all away and be more like Tim Fitz. <laughs> Get some writing done. Um, also in the office with us is our current editorial co-op, Cherie DeVos. Hi, Cherie. Hi. My name is Cherie DeVos, um, and I'm the editorial assistant and digital communications co-op for the Drexel Publishing Group. Um, I'm an international area studies major, and I study words and things in English and Spanish. <laughs> and that's about it. That's enough. That's pretty damn good. And we also have our sound engineer, Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about if I say hi, Marion, and Marion says hi to Samantha after Marion's done uh, something? That's hi, perfect. That's perfect. Hi, well, Marion. Hi, it's so nice to be able to say hello to you after the Bermuda Triangle of technological glitches from the last two months of trying to Skype in. Listen to me, to Skype in. That might have been the problem. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you on Internet Explorer? <laughs> I'm like, wait, why won't MySpace work? All right. Um. <laughs> Navigator. All right, listen, let's be serious. This is Marion. I'm here in, at NYU Abu Dhabi, and I am so happy to be back in this conversation with all y'all. Um, I run the writing program here at NYU Abu Dhabi. I am in my apartment. It's um, 
just early evening and I'm here with my cat and my cuckoo clock and ready to get started. Um, and I am super happy to introduce Samantha. Samantha Neukerbauer is here at NYU Abu Dhabi, but she's across town in her apartment. Mm -hmm. Samantha, can you hear us? Yes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. I'm here. I also work at NYU Abu Dhabi and uh, I oversee our first year student office and I've been an editorial board member for our Abu Dhabi branch uh, for the last three years. Yay. Wow. Are you going Yay. back in the fall too? Yes, I am. I'll be here. Wow. And wait, she's also got Philly roots, right? So she's going to be yeah. in Philadelphia in July. So I think we should plan an actual face-to-face -face in as much as possible podcast. Yeah, podcast, drinks, mm -hmm. drinks, podcast, right? Glams, <laughs> all those things. All those things are going to happen, Samantha. Watch out. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> it's done. It's done. It's on the calendar. Clickety, click, click. Um, <laughs> Jason, are you still there? Still here. I'm in Hi. I have not gone in to work. I am home on this very rainy day looking out onto my beautiful block of Bedford Stuyvesant. Yay. Okay. Yay. Tree is school done for you? Class is done, Jason? Uh, yeah, today's my last day. I just have to go in and um, give people their grades. Yippee, yippee ki yay to you, too. And then I'm going to a wedding over the weekend. Fun. Yay! Sure. Yay! People love to get married on Memorial Day. I think this is the first Memorial Day in years that I haven't had a wedding that I had to wow. go to. Yeah. Is it wow. somewhere fun? It is. It's in Sonoma. Is that <gasps> the wedding I think it is? It is the wedding you think it is. Oh, mazel tov. Yay! That's wonderful. Wonderful. I'm just jealous about Sonoma. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, we found, the last time I was in um, the, the Napa Valley, we found this really amazing winery that had white port. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to try mm -hmm. to... Uh, I'm gonna try to see if we can find that that place again and get some more white port. Yeah, get smuggle lots. that back for me. Oh, I guess get, you don't even have to smuggle. Get we can we it. can drink it with Samantha, in New York. Yes. Oh, <laughs> really. You're allowed to take wine with you when you travel. Well, oh, we'll add it to the list of things we're gonna do with Samantha Nickerbacker. Although, sorry about getting sick with the bottle of wine on the way back for a month. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's I right. Do not give it away. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, I could just chat with you all day, but you know what's sitting in front of us? Mm -hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. Three poems. Three poems, all by Matthew Kelsey. Uh, I'm always really excited. I'm really excited about these, and I think we should we should get rolling. Who wants to read? I'll, I'll arm wrestle anyone. I volunteer, Samantha. You want to go first? Sure. Which one? Which one? Well, Confessions of a Giant. of a Giant. Okay. Sure. Fabulous. Okay. Confessions of a Giant. For years I've been told to hold myself up, to stand as tall as I am, but the world I've come to know rarely seems fitting. I have to take a knee when I piss, duck when I step in the shower. I swear I've tried to adjust but my limbs cross their signals the farther they are from my brain. My legs jerk catastrophically. Even my love is a violence above you all. In order to see eye to eye, I must fold on command, 
Look at that, hunching my shoulders from all the talks we've shared. When they say I must play basketball, they mean they like to race horses. But there's distance even in humor. When four foot ten inches tall Allison Dow stood near teenage me and bet she couldn't lick my nipples from there, we never spoke again. I never speak of the weather up here because you don't have the language for it. And my own alphabet is bringing me, is beginning to wear me down. Thank nice. you. Nice. Great reading. Yeah. I don't know if we should speak to other um, episodes or not, but yeah, mm -hmm. we should. <laughs> this, of course, reminds me of um, the Frankenstein poem that we discussed and the old lady slash witch series. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of love, love, love the surrealism. I'll start right now. Confessions of a Giant. Mm -hmm. I I'm having so much pain for this giant. It's really well constructed. And so all of these things, you know, I never speak of the weather up here. Um, mm -hmm. Couldn't lick my nipples from there. There's, there's a way in which all of the things, all of all the tall jokes kind of keep coming up, but without, in this, in this like really well structured way. So that you, you end up be, being really sympathetic to the giant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, heartbreaking, I think. The, the licking my nipples from there. It's yeah. Fun. But Jason, I think you're right. It's the way that like the, all the tall jokes are figuring in this sort of like mythical monologue, right? So it's a monologue, first person, you know, uh, a poem from this, you know, strange monstrous figure and yet it feels so like it evokes such compassion in the reader like and for me it's starting with you know i have to take a knee when i piss and it's like yeah. oh haha ha. oh yeah i guess you tiny little toilets i guess you would right like and then suddenly i'm in i'm in somebody's powder room with the toilet not like a urinal in a in a stadium right like it's suddenly really intimate around the commode as it were and without um, directly uh, evoking any of it, it reminds me of like Coney Island, like old circus, like yeah. especially when the line, they mean they like to race horses. Um, just the idea that people will look at, you know, giants or, or other people who are out of the norm and try to profit from them, but they still won't really try to befriend them or, or understand huh. them. Okay, I get that line. Samantha, you just made me understand that line too. That for me was the one place where the poem sort of split a little bit, where it was like, you know, when they say blue, they mean broccoli, right? Like the sort of weird juxtaposition didn't make sense, but that's exactly, that's a really cool gloss that they're talking about a kind of impulse to profit off of somebody's, and air quotes here, freakery, right? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Like, just like the interpretation of that line, I didn't get it either. Um, mm -hmm. I guess I was just looking at speed, and it's funny because I can, like, I guess not personally relate. I, I, I am tall, but um, <laughs> I like great. But um, um, <laughs> you better say how tall you are. I'm five ten inch. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm like the tallest of like all my sisters and like my mother. So it's like, you know, 
but I have a brother who's very tall. He's, I also wrote about him and like the, the poet thing. Um, and he's very, very tall. He's like, he's huge. And so when I read this, I'm like, wow, this is kind of like sad because he does have to duck when he walks into the kitchen or when he walks mm-hmm. into the living room, when right. he like enters the house or like he'll have a gash on his forehead. So it's like, it's mm. like, it shows like how jokingly, but seriously, like the things that I guess really tall people or, um, if we want to say like freakishly tall people like have to go through on a daily basis that we wouldn't yeah. sure you know yeah. like the the rest of the world is down there and you're just like you're just super huge and definitely the basketball thing because mm-hmm. you know he gets the amount of times he gets the question like oh you must play basketball and he's like um no like i'm a writer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well and i love sheree that the, the mention of your brother too like um so the tail end of the poem where he's talking about four foot ten Alison Dow, who stood near teenage me. And that reminds me, too, of how, you know, when some boys in particular sort of get a growth spurt and suddenly they're as tall as adults, but they're only like 14 or 15, mm-hmm, right. you know, and then they're talked to like as if they're adults and they're, they're, they're cognitively not there. And just the trauma of that on a daily basis, like somebody talking to a child as if, you know, they're they're you know, their brains can function like adults, right, is, is sort of folded into this neatly too, right? The sort of like overt sexual referencing here, the kid's a teenager, it's like a little bit too much and we never spoke again on a single line is really quite lovely. And then that sets up, I never speak of the weather up here, but I'm bump because you don't have the language for it is really nice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's great how many times we're referencing the Alison Dow section mm-hmm. because I mean I literally I'm sitting here with Shree and Tim and Joe and I I beat my breast at that line. You know, mm-hmm. that's so heartbreaking. And I love what everybody's talking about right now is the um the tension between humor and and empathy and pain, you know, uh, and then he directly address, addresses it in the beginning of that whole part. But there's distance even in humor. Mm-hmm. When four ten Allison Dow stood near teenage me, right, and mm-hmm. we never spoke again. That's just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But. Right. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. Some of the word choices. My legs jerk catastrophically. Right. Um, as Jason started, I think it's structured really well. The the spacing and the word choices, it's just really compact and nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the, I really like the line, even my love is a violence above you all. And I think too about how fearful we can be of people who are different than us and um, maybe kind of some actions we see when people um, are overreacting. I'm even thinking of, and I don't think this is where this poem is going, but about, um, you know, uh, like uh, black youth in the U.S. and and being unarmed. And there's all these connotations that we put with people um, and we react to those, even though that might not be the case. And, and I'm thinking of this person walking around at night and maybe, you know, has no intention of harming anyone, but is just so tall and monstrous that mm-hmm. the people there are afraid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> um, I think we're ready to vote. I think okay. we are. Kathy? What? Who's that face? 
<laughs> you're just like amazed. It's just amazing. Um, shall we? Yeah. Ready? Right. So wait, actually, Samantha, yeah. um, to vote, you have to vote within the app. Okay, um, I see. The Zoom app, right? So just um, if you activate the chat, you can vote there. Okay. Okay. One, two, three, vote. <laughs> okay. It's, I, I'm going to be honest, it's, it's, it's in. <laughs> I don't think we had any dramatic tension there at all. No. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise, we liked it. Love. <laughs> it turned out we liked the poem. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, okay, I guess I should have said this at the beginning. This is uh, this, these three poems, all from Matthew Kelsey, are all. Um, what did you say, Marion? I loved your term. A what monologue? Not, what did I say? I don't know. A monstrous monologue and a no. monologue. A, a what? I don't know. What did I say? I don't it know. Was, you said fan. I don't know. Can we check so, it? Yeah, wait, let's let's rewind. A giant monologue. Yes. <laughs> uh, all three poems are from a series uh, that are that are um, poems from the giant's point of view. Yes. Um, so now we have giant gets adopted. Anybody want to do it? I volunteer Cherie. <laughs> Go Cherie. I volunteer you too. Okay. I think that technically means you've been voluntold, but you can see. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Giant gets adopted. The morning I was adopted, I arrived late to school. It was quarter to noon. I was dressed in nine. I was my own show and tell. What does it mean you're abducted? Daniel asked. Adopted, not abducted, I said. And I'm not really sure. I had already lived with my adopted parents for years. Do you have new siblings? Emily asked. Sort of, I said. I was adopted by my grandparents, so now I'm my own uncle. What? <laughs> what? Some exclaimed, gross. Hi, Everyone looked so confused. I wasn't sure what to say next, so I thought of what my grandma would say and continue. It means my dad keeps the child support he owed in a co-sign fee for a bill. Also, he's not allowed to visit anymore, which is good, because I'm too big to hide under my bed. Wait, said Nicole. You mean you were sold? At this point, Mrs. Charles Brown said time was up for show and tell. The students returned to their cursive in silence. I asked if I could go to the bathroom. Later that night, I entered grandma's room while she was reading and sat at her feet. Nothing actually changed today, did it? I inquired. Oh, honey, yes. And you'll grow to understand how. Mm. Thank you very much. Mm, nice reading. <coughs> Thank you. I got a damn out of Joe. <laughs> I know. In case I didn't get picked up, just so y'all know. Mm-hmm. He was literally his own show and tell. Yeah, he was, and he tells us that, right? I was my own show and tell. Yeah, and I <laughs> right? until the very end. Yeah, yeah, but you know what, Sheree? That's funny. Like, I think the other poem worked that way too. Like, the poem sort of teaches you how to read it. So by line four, you realize, oh, oh, oh well, this is this is literal, right? Like, this is you know what I mean, like. He's dressed to the nines to be his own show and tell. And in the first poem, too, it's like for years he was told to stand up and be tall, but that's actually a problem because he's a giant, right? And it's like that, that moment of like, okay, you sit down to listen to the poem and then you realize you're in this surreal situation, but that those are the terms of the poem, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And can't you just picture this little tall boy in a suit? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, showing up, showing up and having to explain himself. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, spot on with the children's language and responses too, I feel right. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, well, gross. That what seemed to have been self-explanatory inside turns mm-hmm. out to be incredibly confusing at large. Right. Adopted? No, adopted. And then <laughs> it just keeps spiraling out of control. <laughs> and it turns the out situation like, really elicits the types of response that the kids would give in regards to how insensitive and douchey they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they can't, they immediately start saying that, that it's gross, it is abducted. And they can't even see it for what what it really is. I mean, it's kind of a weird situation anyway. He's his own his own um, show and tell, but mm-hmm. it it's amazing how it uh, highlights human nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have struggled with it. I some, a lot of times I want to believe that people are good, and then I see stuff like this and I think, yeah, people really aren't that good. Like they have to be taught good. I don't know. I think they're just, they're just reacting. They're, they're, you know, their, their curiosity is overt, right? Like they go, why is that guy in a wheelchair? Why is that guy? You know what I mean? They don't have that kind of censoring. Automatically kind of shitty. And you have to say. (laughs) I'm not calling it shitty. I'm not calling it shitty. No, I'm not calling it shitty. You have to say, hey, listen, don't, uh, don't say it out loud. You know, talk to me when you're not in, in their presence. Mm-hmm. But their curiosity is larger than their editing mechanism. I yeah, think nicer at a certain that. age, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's that's that. a little, little no, nicer right. and douchey. This, this is important. This is important. You're right. And, and He's calling five-year-olds douchey. But, <laughs> but the important but thing is... Poem. The important thing is, I think that a lot of adults don't take it to the next level and they just allow the curiosity to run amok. Oh. It has to be trained out of them and it has to mm-hmm. be righted, you know, in order to, because yeah, you're going to have, you're going to be curious, but you have to be taught to uh, be appropriately. Temper it with politeness. That, yeah. yeah. Express it appropriately. Like gossiping uh-huh. after with the person next to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just build it into the culture without naming it. Right. Let's just wait till the show is over and gossip about it. So, you know what, Tim, it's funny. This is, this is so tangential, but you just use the word amok. And it reminds me of this art group performance art group in New York called circus amok. And it's run by uh, an artist, a woman, but she's got um, a full beard and she um, once did a performance, uh, like I think it was sword swallowing, but I could be wrong. And it was at the Museum of Natural History in New York. And the, the whole gist of the performance was to um, sort of highlight the way that the Museum of Natural History was actually a really problematic space where human beings were put on display right, for their, quote, oddities. right. So the line between the, quote, freak show and the the carnival, the freak show, and the Museum of Natural History, that's a blurry, blurry line in some right. cases, right? So to have this this performance artist with this beard saying, like, I'm here at the Museum of History on purpose to show you, like, you know, to, to heighten your consciousness about performance, performativity, and the ways in which people are objectified chronically because of their differences in their bodies, right? Reminds me of how genius this is to situate this, like coming to understand something that he can't quite understand about being abducted at the show and tell. I did. I said abducted. (laughs) 
at the show and tell, right? So have the child sort of put the self on display in this way and then not have a language for it or not realize that he didn't actually understand fully what it meant, right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty lovely. What I, Pretty lovely. What I like more about this poem than the other poem is that this doesn't really play with the language too much. It just lays out the images. Yeah. Right? So he, there's no, there's no surrealism. There's no uh, really any figurative language that jumps out other than the present situation. Everything is understated and downplayed. Mm-hmm. And then, so those moments where the kids mistake adopt, adopt, abducted for adopted and gross, and then you mean you were sold, are really priceless because those, those dramatic points really spike. Mm-hmm. Kind of, the last few lines aren't like deal breakers for me, but once, once he goes to the bathroom, I feel like I'm there right where I need to be with the poem. And then it's like the writer is trying to explain to me in some way what I'm supposed to feel. It doesn't kill it for me, but I really, I would say the sweet spot is from uh, after Address to the Nines, which probably could go. That point to the bathroom to me is really like every line of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you're bringing up the language because that's what I'm going to talk about. This one is so much more um, straight up narrative, right? And the other one, we were pointing out specific words. And, and I think the, the play with language this time is the children's dialogue, right? Yeah. And that we're getting the point of view as a child this time, you know? And um, mm-hmm. other than that, it's not... There isn't as other sorts of play. Does that make sense? Yeah, for me, this is a great mixture between poetry and and fiction. Yeah. I I think the last line is actually really great. I really think that the way that the grandmother um, is saying that this doesn't feel, right? When he says nothing actually changed today because when the adoption goes through and he's already been living with them, this is really just kind of legalizing an existing arrangement. Yeah. Um, but the point is, like, you won't feel the change now, but you will understand in time. And I thought it was really beautiful because the whole thing is, like, no one understands what just happened. And he thought yeah. he understood, but he doesn't. And then it's sort of thrown into this, like, weird space of confusion by the kids not seeing this as, like, among the range of human possibilities. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Know, Jason, actually, when you, when you bring that to... Uh, when you read that last line and brought to our attention, I like it better now because I went and read the first couple lines again. I was bothered so much by Dressed of the Nines that I actually, I think, erased in my mind those first two lines. <laughs> well, you know, I, can I say this? I like, uh, you just said, Tim, that this is a nice mix between poetry and fiction. Mm-hmm. I think he shows us a couple things rather than tells yeah, us yeah. very artfully in that he says, you know, my father's not allowed to visit anymore and that's great because I'm too big to hide under the bed. Mm-hmm. Well, there's obviously clear illusions to what what yeah. father must have been like, right? right? But if this cozy image at the end that, you know, if he's comfortable enough, there are some grandmothers you wouldn't go in their bedroom. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, the, he's so comfortable. He can go in and sit at her feet on her bed and ask her this question. Yeah. I love the warmth 
I love to know that he's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, really, yeah, the yeah. picture that paints for me, that's I, that's why I want that ending very much. And I, you know what? I want to jump back to Jason on that, that last, the very last line too, because it's, it's, oh honey, yes, and you'll grow to understand how. So that to me is like this author winking at me on the, on the verb grow, right? Like that's funny. It's a giant story. <laughs> he is big. And right. she said, you will grow to understand is funny, yeah. right? That's straight up funny. Um, and I love too that it's like this misunderstanding about the performative, like the speech act, the performativity, like what just happened with you're adopted. Like it's a profound change in his life, but he doesn't fully understand it yet. And, the same, and we've just experienced this poem where he tried to explain it and realizes Right. He doesn't quite get it. And then hopes that nothing really has changed, but of course it has. So the, the poem really glides over all of these uncertainties and confusions, right? When something momentous has in fact happened, right? And mm-hmm. that he'll grow to understand it is a, is a lovely, lovely playful move at the end. Yep. Yep. Should we vote? Let's vote. Oh, can I say one more quick thing? Yeah. In my fantasy world. Oh, no. Nope. Can't say it anymore. We're done. We're voting. Let's go. Do it. Do it. Do it. In my fantasy world, I wish these poems were titled Not Giant Things. Like, You Mean You Were Sold would be a great title for this. And then it's like, because when I I saw that three were giant poems, the first thing I thought was, oh, man, I got to read three poems about giants. (laughs) And 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 so I'm kind of my defenses are up. And I'm thinking these are going to kind of suck and be cheesy. But <laughs> so the first one, I think I... But then they don't and they're not. The first one I had some trouble with. And then the second one, I kind of, the language really, I mean, what the poem accomplished completely took over after Dressed in the Nines. And, but I, but, and I don't know, I feel like it could benefit if we had a little surprise or it wasn't as telegraphed. Mm. I mean, are you kind of like on the whole, like poetry is not a project Dorothy Lasky kind of thing where like you're annoyed just because someone has a project or are you saying like giant does this giant does that feels boring? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess what I, the titles don't bother me and I would like to see the, the whole, you know, how many more, I don't know if yeah. it's a whole collection or not. I should have looked that up again. Well, I mean, um, when I touch those Crow, right? Yeah. Ted Hughes book in which every poem is like, Crow does this, Crow does that. Mm-hmm. Right, right, sure. Oh, there's been other, right. Yeah. I think we've even seen it, right? Um, teacher hat. I also just want to say that I love that the children had names and they weren't one said, one mm-hmm. said, right? And mm-hmm. that the teacher has a name. That that's another way that these this just like pops to life, yeah. you know. Um, so, all right, vote. Are you ready? One, two, three, and it's unanimous. Woohoo! Okay, we have one more in the series. There's one more left. Who's in it to win it? I'll do it if nobody wants it. I volunteer. Kathy, do it, do it. Okay. Giant loses his virginity. I was trying to be romantic. My parents had left the house for the night, so I set a table in the yard. I decked it with flowers, a thank you card, a small branch from my favorite tree, and not just one red cinnamon Yankee candle, but three. (laughs) I stopped just short of fetching flutes for champagne. 
I was trying to be a gentleman, but wasn't about to take any chances. So I cooked a five-course meal and whipped up two desserts. This was barely enough for me, but tonight was only about my love. Once we put a dent in the food, the time had come. We went to my room. Not having had access to porn, let alone giant porn, and being that I was just too large for the world of birds and bees, I had turned to giraffes for sex ed, for cues on how to begin. Here, I said, please urinate on my bed. Then I bent down, especially low to avoid a heart attack, and brayed and peeled back my lips. No sooner had my mind begun to wander to the Vegas Strip, destroyed by 50-foot woman Allison Hayes, than it was over. We looked up at glow-in-the-dark stars stuck to the ceiling. I was trying to be sensitive, so I sweetly whispered nothing into her ear. I have to say, I forgot he was a giant until he mentioned the food not being enough. And I was like, oh, right, he's a giant. He's not just a teenager losing his virginity. <laughs> well, see, that's why they have to be titled Giant Loses His Virginity. <laughs> but why giraffes? <laughs> They're We're tall. Go deep Google on that. <laughs> no, no, not now. <laughs> Giraffe sex, go. <laughs> um, I, I sort of got like a little like like once it gets to the giraffe sex, I I'm a little out. I mean, please, mm. on my bed can be cute, but then like I don't I get really lost with the Vegas Strip, with braying and peeling the lips. The fifty foot tall woman. Like I don't know. I guess I mean I guess that's like a, a metaphor for how awkward the first time you have sex is. <laughs> I the only thing that bothered me is he said, please urinate on my bed. <laughs> because that's a little much. I can see I I don't think he's stupid. I don't know why he would think he should, you know. That was the only line in that part that I thought, no, this guy is smarter than that. And I didn't like the not having had access to porn because I feel like that line is only there so he can make the joke, let yeah. alone giant porn. I don't right. think that is necessary, any of that. Right. Why didn't he have access to porn, right? He's still a human being. Yeah. He <laughs> wouldn't have to have sex in a special way. No, no, no. But isn't, I well, yeah. Was I, I thought. Populated before the internet. What? Right. I, I thought the porn reference was just taking me back to him as a teenager not having access to porn, right? Like, I, for some reason, I'm still in the grandmother's house, right? Like, he's trying to have sex at the grandmother's house, right? So it's, you know, but maybe that's just um, because I have the other poem in my head. Um, and the 50-foot-tall woman is a reference to that 50s film. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right? Okay. So that's the, the Vegas strip being destroyed by this, you know, giant sexy monstrous woman right but he's um, like his fantasy because like he needs another giant like i don't get why it's there right well then that uh, that contradicts the the your only access to quote porn would be giraffe porn but he's also like fantasizing about the 50 50 foot tall woman <laughs> I, I didn't read it that way i thought he was afraid he was going to destroy yeah. something oh, yeah he's so, oh. yeah oh. 
Yeah, because yeah. his his mind began to wander. I felt like I was forced. He, he's so scared, right? He's, oh, he's going to have a heart it. attack. Yeah. He's going to break something, including the woman. I don't think it's because the blood to his penis is going to like create like a pressure. Like he has to like, I, I don't. I, I'm going to Google giraffe sex. Talk no, you're not. Yes, no, I you're am. not. Stop it. <laughs> I, I think, I think that uh, losing one's virginity is awkward for anybody all the time. This guy feels like an other all the time. And now this, you know, he's been trying, he tried to make this beautiful romantic evening. He's trying to do everything right. And now when the actual moment comes that he's, you know, he's concerned that his size will factor in and be problematic. That's and unfortunately, now we have to think about giraffes feeling really <laughs> I don't. I get off the giraffes. It's you guys. <laughs> well, Wait, I, I'm there. I, don't, I, I don't want it to be there. So that's going to be there all day. Oh, jeez. Jeez, Jesus. Sorry. 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 Oh, my God. Hold on. Stop it, Marianne. <laughs> sorry. Stop sorry. It. What are, you, are you Googling? She's Googling giraffe sex in Stop it. What do you guys think? Let's stay, let's stay on the poem. What do you think about the fact that we don't know the girl or her reactions to any of these moves? Okay, you so think, what about that? Why did he make that choice? I, I want to say that with the giant in the other two poems, I had a very clear sense of how the literal giant was giving me figurative access to his experience. And in this poem, the literal activity no longer directs me towards the metaphorical understanding. I feel really thrown out in this poem. Like, I love when we're talking about, you know, the three Yankee candles, a teenage idea of what romance is. Um, but, like, once I get to the giraffes, I'm just like, I, I, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, I totally agree. And the literal language really works with the, with the uh, flowers. The first half, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. first half. Yeah. And I think you could even take out, I was trying to be romantic and I was trying to be a gentleman because we see that. We, okay. we know he's mm -hmm. going there with giant loses his virginity. And it's really tender and beautiful. And then it doesn't, you know, weird is good, but it, you know, bad weird is, you know, it's like mold, you know, bad mold is bad. Good mold is good. This mm -hmm. is bad mold. Yeah, I wanted to, it to be as intimate as, you know, this this scene is less intimate than sitting at the foot of grandma's bed. Yeah. You know, and, and I do, nobody's answered that for me. The fact that the girl has no reaction, no say, he doesn't, you know, none of his moves are reacting toward her. I, I, I would have loved to see this girl who's going to be with this guy. I, I like her already. If this is, you know what I mean? If she's right. going to be with this guy, I like her. And I didn't get to see her at all. And that's kind of a bummer yeah. for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well said. So, so. I also know, one thing I want to say is I also keep reading the last three lines. I was trying to be sensitive. So I sweetly, sweetly whispered nothing into her ear. And I'm just not sure how I feel about that either, because I feel that I like the giant. And then I don't like the idea that this girl who has chosen to be with him, he just says nothing. Or do you think he it's, is it supposed to be funny? I think it's supposed to be rip roaring funny. I think a lot yeah. of you laughed when I read it. You know, yeah. sweet nothings in her ears, but he says the word nothing. Word nothing. His brain can't process the fact that someone has chosen to be intimate with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I think that's... Freaking out, but he's not... That's, 
I think, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Tim, but that's, I think that's a, Kathy, you just put your finger on it. Like I imagine this poem being read at the pen and pencil and the police just falling out laughing their asses off. Like it wants to be read out loud. Like it's strange and it's funny and it's weird and it's meant to be like butter and bump in key places. But it's, it's funny how it doesn't like sustain this conversation. Like it it doesn't survive this conversation in a way, you know what I mean? Like once we start to pull it apart, it sort of collapses in a, in a strange and, and, um, slightly dissatisfying way, which, but I imagine just like hearing it once at a reading, I'd have, I'd have been all over this piece. Mm -hmm. I bet in a good way you cut out not having access to porn all the way down to 50 foot woman, Allison Haynes. And you just went like, we went to my bed, we went to my room, we looked up at the glow in the dark ceiling. Our stars stuck to the ceiling. I was trying to be censored, so I whispered, sweetly whispered nothing into her ear. If you cut out that chunk, it would probably work a lot better because we're, we're we, no giraffes, no yeah, porn, oh, right. none mm-hmm. of the dicks. All the things that distracted us, yeah. Yeah, yeah there, we, we've lost the poignancy of the moment with all of that other stuff coming in. Um, so I hope Matthew Kelsey is writing lots more of these and I get to know this girl. I want to know that character. I want to watch this movie. I want to read this book. (laughs) Okay. That's just, yeah. Shereen wants a book too. All right, Matthew Kelsey, get on it. Um, are we ready to vote? Yes. All right. One, two, three, vote. Hmm. Okay, and this one did not make it. Um, so two out of three ain't bad, as the song says. And and I think we still had a terrific time, and we're so grateful to um, Matthew for this work. And I I'm now dying. I think when I when I write him and say yes to these, I'm going to say, how many are there? Is this a book? Mm-hmm. What's what's mm-hmm. next? Right? <laughs> yeah. Does anybody have anything they want to share with the audience? Anything good happening? Okay. <laughs> I think everyone is now Googling giraffe porn. So, yes. listeners, listeners, you go ahead and do that too. And um, I was going to suggest that the title of this be volunteer equals voluntold or equals <laughs> voluntold but now maybe we need hashtag draft porn yeah um <laughs> so when you're done looking that up check yeah, out to- our website join all of our follow us on all the platforms and um and keep reading thank you everybody Yay. I'm telling you, the giraffe porn, once you get that in your eyes, it's amazing what those animals can do. Good luck. (laughs) I used to have to shelter.